Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Welcome back to Think Orphan Podcast. Thanks again for being a part of our conversation. Thank you for just who you are. If you're listening to this podcast, I am just in, I have no doubt if I was able to sit down and talk with you, be, I'd be so encouraged by the work you're doing and by the people that you're impacting. And so I just want to thank you for that. And I know Brandon uh, Stiver, my brother in arms, my co-host here would join me in that. So, I'll, you know, I'll, I'm not going to speak for you, Brandon. What do you, what do, you, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. The, my right. favorite people in the world are our listeners. So it'd be... Yeah. We always love uh, connecting this way and also connecting uh, through other avenues. So yeah, absolutely, man. How you been though? I've been been all right. Like uh, like we were talking about beforehand. I mean, when this releases, we'll know whether my uh, my girls varsity that I coach they're they're playing in the section semis of CIF out here in California. It's a pretty big deal if you're not a Californian. But Division One section semis, and we're super proud of them. So shout out to Folsom High girls. Um, and uh, we got a big semi game tomorrow night as, as we're recording. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. So many other things, cool things that are going on, just some great work, um, on that soccer side of things, uh, connecting with, uh, different ministries and really being able to, you know, if you're, if you're doing a sports ministry out there and you're really wanting to know how to love the orphan and the vulnerable that are in your midst and that are coming to your camps and are coming to your different things reach out to me, please. Uh, P dark, P D A R K E at providenceworld.com because there's a lot of really cool stuff going on and I would love to connect you. If you don't know by now, folks, I'm a connector. So, uh, would love to be able to do that. And there's so many other things going on. I'm just super excited right now just to be able to be a part of what God's doing. You know, as, as we talk about, just kind of follow those breadcrumbs that God puts down for me. I know you've been doing that too over the course of the last 20 years or so, you know, and and it's pretty cool to see where some of those lead when you're when you're willing to follow them, you know. So that's just kind of what I'm doing. That's and good, uh, how about you, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's funny you bring up soccer. I was on a we do a community of practice for one million home. We do a monthly call, and that was the call I had before this one. And we were talking mm-hmm. about um, about self care and team care. Right, mm-hmm. we're working with orphan and vulnerable children. We are. Um, it's draining work, you know. Social work is draining. Uh, running organizations can be draining. So what are those things that we're doing both personally as well as within our teams? And one of the things that was mentioned by a few organizations is uh, when we get out on the soccer pitch, whether this is in Sierra Leone or whether this is in Thailand or wherever this is, uh, that is a big uh, a big thing for, for our team uh, to decompress, uh, to build camaraderie, uh, to talk a little smack with one another and, and, uh, and, and you know, kind of chide one another yeah. and, and have some fun. So uh, I was just reflecting on that this morning. I know a lot of my favorite uh, times playing sports was definitely in Tanzania between playing soccer and playing basketball out there. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's 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 a it's huge amazing. it's a huge thing. And we talked about this with Aaron Blue, right? I mean, like the fact that when you when you throw a ball on the field and you go out and play, like all walls are broken down. You're out there playing. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter any of that. Right. You're out there playing. And, and there's, there's a lot to be learned from just that. And there's so much more to be learned from it, but that's not what we're talking about today. Um, so, you know, there's, there's something coming up though in, uh, I think you said May, right. That, that, mm. uh, you're, you're kind of getting prepared for let's, uh, kind of give our 
people yeah. a little heads up on yeah, that. Yeah, so so definitely big event coming up in Kansas City on May 14th. Um, as anybody knows, uh, this is a faith-based uh, podcast. Uh, Phil and I are both believers and, and followers of Christ. And uh, one of the partnerships that One Million Home has really um, been blessed to be a part of is this group from The Send. So The Send is a collaborative. It's it's a it's a big outreach. Um, really, just recognizing, man, there are um, there are so many unreached people that haven't heard the good news. Um, and how can we really rally a generation that's gonna that's gonna go and 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 seek and serve um, the the lost and and to proclaim the good news. So uh, so the Send is coming up on May fourteenth, and and we've been a part of this. They've previously done conferences in Brazil and. Um, the first one was in Orlando um, in early 2019, and that was actually kind of the, the launch of the One Million Home Initiative. And uh, through that, we got to meet uh, uh, Pastor Francis Chan. So uh, we do have a special episode today because uh, coming out of that initial uh, SEND conference in 2019, we were able to bring a team from Crazy Love, including Francis, uh, out to Kenya to interact with some of the organizations from our community of practice to learn about what orphan care looks like, you know, in this current day and age, and and even the the uh, the importance of kids getting to go into family, right? That's a that's a big conversation that yep. we have. So, so yeah, the send is coming up May fourteenth, which we're looking forward to, but but also uh, looking back and celebrating in ways that uh, Francis as as well as other people from that uh, group have really gotten involved. Um, to serve orphan and vulnerable children with excellence. Yeah, and the cool thing about that is not only can you go to the Send and get to experience that really cool event, but you can get some pretty amazing barbecue while you're out there. You know, I was just out there at a convention, and okay, it doesn't get much better than the than the you know Kansas City. Just so you know, folks, if you go, you got to get the beef in Kansas City. Pork is more the South, so and then brisket's kind of your Texas. So that's just 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 a little barbecue lesson. You had no idea. That's bonus coverage, folks. So I, you I never know what you're going to get here. I was needing to take some notes. I'm going to have to have you uh, say that again at some point because I'm going to be in Kansas City uh, in just yeah. a little under two weeks uh, as part of one of the run-ups to the send. That's right. Uh, so so that's that's good to know. Yeah. Yep. All right. Enough about us and barbecue and soccer. What do we got going on today? Yeah, so as I had mentioned, uh, we were able to take Francis Chan out to Kenya. Now, this was actually in 2019 um, because of COVID and because of other things, we've had to delay the release of some of this content. But uh, we're going to have a run through where he's going to talk with people that are running organizations in East Africa. Some of these are voices that you guys have heard before. Um, But uh, we're going to run into uh, conversations between him and Chris Page from Agape Children's Ministry. Uh, as well as Jared Shepman of Akisa Ministries, uh, Peter Mathui from Child and Family Focus, and Nabs, our buddy Nabs, with uh, Helping Children Worldwide out in Sierra Leone. So uh, we, we, got, we got a full slate here, a special episode with Francis Chan uh, checking out orphan care uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. I just want to tell you my story real fast. When my mother gave birth to me, she died. But my dad got remarried. But then when I was seven, my stepmother got in a car accident and died. And then when, my, when I was 12, my father died. I still remember burying my father. 
I was not very sad because I wasn't close to my father. When he would get angry, he would tie me to a tree and start to beat me with the branches. So when he died, I was actually happy. But that's a time when I began to wonder what happens when I die. And I began to study the Bible. And it talked about how I could be forgiven. So I began to pray to God and ask for forgiveness. The Bible said he would be a father to the fatherless. That happened about 35 years ago. My heart is that everyone would really know him and be known by him. I've seen what has happened at Agape. People's lives have changed. It's the same thing that happened to me when I was young. Some people who were true Christians began to help me. And they taught me about God. And now, 35 years later, I feel like I'm the happiest person on the earth. I know what they're doing at Agape. They're helping you have a relationship with God. Because that will change everything. It's changed my life and I'm praying that he'll change yours. These kids, I just wonder how many of them, you're separated for a while and it's just like, what am I gonna do, go back? Mm. It's not as easy, and but I bet you they want to. For sure. You know, I never thought about that before well, until just now. And a lot of it is a fear. Um, yeah. We talked about a town of Nakuru. Yeah. Uh, Nakuru is a big city between Kisumu in Nairobi. Yeah. And in fact, when they do a new census, Nakuru may have outpaced Kisumu. Okay. It's a pretty big town. Um, we did a census there in 2016 and found close to 500 children on the streets there. And nobody is doing any substantive work with mm. street children there. Mm. We had children, um, and we were there for two or three weeks, and we had children asking us, can you just help take me home so you can talk to my mom for me? Wow. Yeah. So people are just looking for a liaison between child and mom and dad. Yeah. It goes back to the reconciliation component. Yeah. We're looking for someone to help reconcile me back yeah. to my family. Well, and uh, kids. And uh, for sure. To have an adult say, I'll talk to your mom with you, like, and this is what we do. Yeah, and not and only that. This is normal. Then you go to the parents and go, this is what, this happens all the time. And there's an encouragement there as well as of, uh, of parents uh, or sharing with children that and I'm gonna keep you safe in this process. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry, I'm not gonna leave you home unless mm -hmm. you wanna stay home. Um, and, and so that level of comfort um, yeah. is important to these children because a lot of these children for the initial home visit, they have to be really assured yeah. that you know what, I'm here as your protector. I'm here to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand you shared some bad things about home, but yeah. uh, I just wanna be able to sit down and talk to your dad or yeah. your stepmom or whoever it might be. And, um, but be encouraged that uh, we won't place you home and we won't leave you there. And we would never consider doing that until you were ready. 
And I think about, as a parent, how much I would love that. Because mm. you're overwhelmed. You're like, how am I going to bring reconciliation? You know, you know, as a dad, it's like, I don't well, care how screwed up you are, you, you, there's always something there, right? There's just a God-given, mm. you know, I left my kid when he was one, and, you know, I'm, 50 years later, I'm, I'm still thinking about it, right? Mm, so so for the, sure. the parents, I just love, like, what this does for them because they're not happy and at peace that their kid is out there of somewhere. Not. Of course not. And yet they're overwhelmed, like, I don't know what to do. And that is, and that's the situation we find with a lot of families, yeah. is they've reached the end of the rope with this child. Mm. Um, I, when I'm talking about reasons children go to the streets, there's core family issues, yeah. and then there are sometimes core child issues. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's a combination of both, which leads a child to leave home. But in the indication where the child has really gotten with the wrong crowd, that example mm -hmm. of a child stealing from other neighbors yeah. and really burning bridges in the whole community, the parents are like, well, I love my child, but what do I do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, this is my home. This is my ancestral land. And my son has made himself a pariah. Yeah. And in fact, for him to return right now, I'm going to have to to concede to possibly my own child's death if he were to come back. Mm. And so we find families that are helpless alone. Mm. But, you know, as we were talking before, God can even provide... Mm reconciliation in that mm. extreme of a circumstance. Mm. Um, so it's, a, it's exciting to think about. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, what I love about this is you, you guys aren't really forcing something that isn't already in their hearts, mm. right? Like a, there's something in that child. Yeah. You know, we find kids that go through institutions or whatever, they even have the greatest adoptive parents. Mm. There's something internally that a desire for given, family. Yeah, where's my real dad? Where's yeah. my real mom? Yeah. Like that's already in them. Mm. And then you've got these parents that are like, where's my child? I know I came to my wit's end and I couldn't do it anymore, but I'm not at peace with this either. Mm. And so these are things that are inherently in them. I think God given, mm. you know, almost biologically in them. And you're just helping accommodate that. Absolutely. It's right? like I'm out of answers on this side and I'm out of answers on this yes. side. And ultimately God's allowed Agape to be able to stand there, bridge that gap to say, let us allow, let us provide that answer. Yeah. Let us figure out a way that the two entities can be together again. Um, it's a cool way to think of a bridge of sorts, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to see when uh, God gives us that privilege to be a part of it. I hope you enjoyed the experience of, loved it. of going outside. So, Absolutely loved it. You know, leaving campus, it's always a question. I've always wondered, because even coming into Kenya, you yeah. look around at houses, and granted, it's going to be so much different than yeah. what we're accustomed to in the United mm -hmm. States. And as we're walking through there, we're passing by rental homes. Yes. Um, all of those families that you see there have homes in the rural. Okay. As, that's the terminology used in Kenya. You have your rural home and I'm staying in town. Oh, really? Okay. So all of those people that you saw as we walked, mm -hmm. all those homes mm -hmm. and we call it the local estates, um, that is just a place that they're living in and renting in order to work in Kisumu. Okay. And, um, but all of those individuals have family outside okay. of Kisumu. Okay. Um, and that's an important concept, which in many ways helps Agape to work, yeah. is that everybody has a rural home. Huh. And honestly, 
they have two rural homes. There's a paternal home and there's a maternal home. And that's something that we have built upon at Agape okay. with that knowledge and understanding that, uh, yeah. that uh, there's always an answer. There's yeah. somebody. In fact, uh, I was uh, challenging one of the boys when we were at sports grounds. Yeah, um, I heard you. When he was uh, yeah. telling me, um, yeah, at my maternal home, there's no one there, there's no one. I was like, really, there's nobody there. Nobody at all. There's just a bunch of empty land. There's no yeah. houses, no buildings. You're telling me you want me to build a house. Yeah. So you're telling me there's nothing there. And he kind of got quiet and did this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. what about your paternal home? And he's, ah, I don't know my paternal home. I was like, really? So if we go back to Agape and we look at your file, because yeah, 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 yeah. we know Tilan, I said, if I look back at your file, am I going to find that? that you, there is no connection to your paternal home. And he was quiet. Mm -hmm. And so all of these children know both where their paternal relations are and the maternal relations are. Mm -hmm. Now there may be different reasons as to why they don't want to share it with me at that moment. Mm -hmm. For him, he was asking me to build a house for him at home. And uh, I had to kind of, I kind of had to bandy back and forth with him a little bit yeah. friend, in a friendly way yeah. to indicate, you know, I've got, we've got 3,000 children at Agape. I can't afford to build houses for everybody, yeah. right? And um, to help him understand, you know, that as much as I would love to help him with something like that, yeah. there are parameters of which we can do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, um, you know, kind of where we were walking, I think you remember yeah. Bus Park? Mm -hmm. So Bus Park is the hub of activity okay. for streets in, uh, in Kisumu. Um, quarterly, we do street census work okay. in Kisumu. And what that means is that a team of Agape's Kenyan staff goes out from about 8 p.m. till 2 a.m. Yeah. And they know all of the bases in mm -hmm. town. Bases are the places where street children and street youth sleep mm -hmm. at night. And they go around to each one of those bases. And they go and they greet the children where they are, greet the youth, and they start counting mm -hmm. big bodies and small bodies mm -hmm. on the streets. Mm -hmm. And um, you saw the hub of all that activity there at Bus Park. Yeah. Um, our last census we did, um, the vast majority of boys, I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was a majority of our boys are sleeping in that area at night. Mm -hmm. During yeah. the day, they're out working, walking around, and then, uh, and then at night, they bed down in that area. Um, the really cool thing that we've been able to see is a dramatic reduction in the number of children on the streets in Kisumu. Um, anecdotally, we believe there were upwards of 1,000 children on the okay. streets 10 years ago. In Kisumu, um, our staff equated it this way, that um, you would walk through Kisumu town mm -hmm. and three out of the 10 people that you would pass would be a street child. Wow. Three out of 10, so 30% mm -hmm. of the hundreds, if not thousands of people that we yeah. walked by, wow. three out of 10, 30% would be street children. And it was incredible that we walked almost all the yeah. way through town yeah. And it wasn't until we reached almost the end of our journey before we came across, uh -huh. you know, five, ten yeah, I was street children. Run into any. Yeah. yeah, at first I was yeah. surprised as well because usually at least you start picking them up yeah, yeah. as you're walking. Yeah. And um, and I, I think I, I commented to you, I was like, it actually it's great. We don't oh, find yeah. any. That's even great. That's even better yeah, news. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, been a profound shift um, in the volume of street children. Um, we counted 100 and, approximately 130 on our last census. Okay. Children sleeping on the streets. And uh, we're excited to see those numbers stay relatively low over the past yeah. three years. In Katale, where we just opened up in July of 2018, we had a, a census done in 2016 where there were um, 400 plus children on the streets okay. there. 
And um, our most recent census, that number had dropped to around the 130 range as well. Um, and uh, sorry, I can't remember the exact numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a, a huge shift and reduction in wow. children on the streets. Um, we don't want to take credit for all of that. Well, yeah, but that, but you can count how many kids you reunified. I yeah. mean, you can count the 200 and something Absolutely. that went through Agape and now are back into their homes. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to take credit. It's a Lord duty, <laughs> but he did it through Agape. You can, you can count it. Amen. And, uh, and what has allowed us to be able to do that yeah. is this model that God has led us towards, yeah. um, where we have a static facility. Okay with a yeah. specific number of yes. beds, right? But How many did you say you had in that city? So in Kisumu, I have 84 beds. 84. 54 boys, 30 girls. Uh -huh. But in that same time period, we were able to minister to over 570 children in one year with those 84 beds. That's insane. And that's taking them all through that way the through rehab the process. process, working with the parents, getting them back in the home, visiting the homes afterwards. Yeah, and then and likewise on, on a, from a Katali side, it's, we have a capacity of uh, 44 beds, right? Yeah. And we were able to minister to upwards of 200 plus children. In one year. In one year. Yeah, see, that is, that, I've, I've never heard anything remotely close to that. Yeah. Maybe I've heard, okay, yeah, we have like 44 beds and gosh, we actually helped, you know, four of them get jobs and we could take in four more kids the next year. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about reducing the number of kids on the street is happening right in front of you in one year's time mm. to go from 400 and something on the streets to 100 something. Yeah, it's All exciting. through this process that... that so when we start trying to identify and isolate yeah. some of the key contributing factors for family breakdown. Yeah. Why children end up running away from home and ending up in prison or ending up on the streets. Mm -hmm. um, typically people want to point to poverty. Yeah. Especially in a country like Kenya, a developing yeah. nation. Um, in many ways, um, it's the easy answer. It's the easy bad guy to point to. But our experience is that poverty is rarely the only factor mm -hmm, that causes mm -hmm. a child to run away from home, to leave their family situation. Uh, honestly, I can think of one case out of thousands mm -hmm. right now that we've dealt with over the past three years where poverty was the sole reason the child was on the streets. Mm -hmm. Instead, we identify that poverty can be a factor, but not the only factor. It's a poverty mm -hmm. plus situation. Um, and you see that when you go out to the field, yeah. when you're going into these villages in the rural and you're visiting a child who used to be on the streets, who's now back with family again. And in order to get to that home, you pass by one, two, three, four, five, ten Kenyan rural homesteads. Mm -hmm. And then you reach Brian's house. Okay. And you look back over your shoulder and realize that all ten of these houses and these homes and these families are at, are at a very, very similar economic level. Hmm. And then you look at Brian's household and say, then why did Brian run away? Hmm. Hmm. And it's enlightening in many ways. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because if poverty was the issue, yeah. we would have yeah. hundreds Always. of thousands of street children yeah. in Kisumu. Mm -hmm. But instead we have 130. Mm -hmm. And we also think about it from an order of magnitude of where our children come from. 1,250 children from 700 communities. Mm -hmm. 
If poverty was the factor, then we would have 12,500 children from 700 communities or 125,000 children yeah. from 700 communities. But uh, it's a profound thing to realize that poverty can be at play. Yes. But ultimately, children will stay in loving families, mm. even that have food security problems. Mm. Children will stay in families that um, ultimately struggle with school fees. Mm. Children will stay in families um, because uh, of a number of different reasons. Hey guys, Brandon here. Just cutting in for a moment to say thank you for listening to this special episode of the Think Orphan podcast, where we are following Pastor Francis Chan as he goes around Kenya to learn about what's happening in orphan care right now. That was a conversation that you just heard between Pastor Francis and Chris Page from Agape Children's Ministry. And directly before that, it was Pastor Francis sharing his testimony with a group of street-connected children and youth. We're going to turn the page just a little bit here and have a conversation between Pastor Francis and Jared Shetman, who's the executive director at Akisa Ministries in Jinja, Uganda. Uh, Jared uh, cruised over to Kenya to join the group there and Got to have a conversation with Pastor Francis about disability and the work that they're doing in Jinja, Uganda. If you want to hear more from Jared, you can check out episode 159 of the Think Orphan podcast. Now let's get into this conversation between Francis Chan and Jared Shetman. I'm Jared Shetman. I'm the okay. executive director at Akisa Ministries. Akisa. Akisa Ministries. Okay. So we work in Uganda. Okay. Uh, in a town called Jinja, which is where the, Jinja. Where the yeah, Nile yeah, River yeah. begins, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so we work in Jinja, Uganda, yeah. and Akisa works with children with special needs and disabilities. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, these kids, are they um, from families? Are they, is it like an orphanage? So, so we do a few different things. Okay. So, um, so kind of our overall goal is we want to improve the quality of life for children living with disabilities. That's yeah, why we exist. Yeah, yeah. And so the way we go about that is a few different ways. So okay. uh, we have a small children's home. Okay. Uh, we have 16 kids who live in our care full time, all with special needs, you know, mm -hmm. from mild to severe. Um, and, you know, so we're a place where we can provide better you know, specialized medical care and therapy and, mm -hmm. you know, meet their developmental needs. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we do, and, and the bigger thing that we do, is we work with children with disability and special needs in the community. Okay. Right? Okay. You know, so so how do you wow. how do you keep a family who has a child with disability yes, yes. together? You mm -hmm. know, because you can imagine yeah. being being in a developing country, right? Yeah, Not yeah. having access to the support services yeah. we find in Western countries, the yeah. therapy, the medical mm -hmm. assistance, the education, right? And you just think of the the hopelessness that that could bring a family, the the isolation that it, it brings them into, right? And yeah. even you know, on top of not having access to services and support, right? Yeah, families are discriminated against. They're yeah. outcasted because there's yeah. amazing stigma that it exists against yeah. persons with disability. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. cursed. They yeah. they don't have a value. Yeah, so you mm -hmm. get isolation. Mm -hmm. you know, so we work with families, with the children, providing okay. support services, social work yeah. um, to families, to moms, you know, a okay. lot of single moms, right? Okay. Yeah. Two children. And our goal is keep the family together, strengthen the family, you know, prevent wow. 
you know, children from being abandoned, prevent a family from feeling like they can't do it, you know? Okay. So you guys, uh, do you do, like, so, so some of these kids, I'm assuming, come to you or, or you find them however, yeah. um, but actually have homes and, or actually have parents or a parent, yeah. and you guys work with reunifying them? How, well, what's that like? Yeah, so if a kid were to come into our home, it, it could be because they were abandoned, okay. um, you know, left yeah, yeah. in a hospital, yeah. left on the side of a road, uh-huh. you know, just totally abandoned. Um, and so that family, you know, may never be traceable to find mm-hmm. them. Um, some we do find, some we do trace. And then we work with the families and counsel them, you know, over a period of what could be years yeah. to prepare them and equip them to take their child back into the home. Okay. Um, you know, other times, you know, a, a child might be removed from a family because of neglect or abuse, okay. you know. And so we had that happen, you know, with, with a family and the mom was imprisoned. And so every month our social worker went and visited yeah. her in prison yeah. and counseled her and prepared her. And we got her a job when she was out. And a, you know, and a year later, like she was able to take her daughter home. Yeah. You know, and so for us, like family is, mm. is the answer. Mm. You know, family is, is God's design for this, mm. not institutionalized care. But a lot of people think, well, because this child has special needs, like they're gonna have to live in a residential home. Yeah. You know, we can't resettle this child with, with a family because their needs are too big. Wow. And for us, we say, no, no, like it is possible. So you've seen it and it's been successful. Yeah. Like, but how, like, how long have you been doing this? So, you know, in other words, did they just come home last week and you're like, oh, it's working. Yeah. Or have you seen it no, we've seen over it. a span of time? Yeah. Yeah, so Keith has been working since uh, 2011. Okay. Um, and we've had 40 kids who've lived in our home since 2011. Okay. And of the 40, uh, we've had 17 who've either been resettled with family or okay. placed into foster or adoptive care. Okay. okay. You know, and so family wow. permanence is, is what, we're, what we're shooting for. And so, okay. and sometimes it, it takes a long time. Yeah. You know, we've had resettlements. Um, back to family that have taken you know four or five years just because at first the family feels like no I I can't do it I don't want I don't want that child and so through that process of counseling them and discipling them and teaching Mm -hmm. them about God's design for family Mm -hmm. and teaching them about the value that's Mm -hmm. inherent right the Imago Dei like we teach families about this so that they have a willingness right and then we prepare them to physically care for their yeah. child and meet their needs and so uh, so yeah we have successful resettlements and and, and it is possible and it's possible yeah. for for any organization not just one that specializes in children with special needs i mean you mentioned a little bit earlier that some of these kids are looked at as either cursed mm-hmm. or whatever else because of their disabilities um I mean, so you probably have so many things that, uh, so many obstacles, yeah. like for the child, for the parents. Yes. Uh, just t- talk about the real, just the realistic struggles of day to day doing what you do. Yeah, lot, lots of obstacles, that's true. Um, you know, but they're all overcomable, you know, and some take longer than others. But, um, you know, so when we talk about a family, you know, the first thing is, is that willingness. You know, do they, do they see the child as, as a part of their family? Do they see the child as valuable or you know, do they just see the child as, as a burden because they have additional needs? You know? yeah. And a lot of it comes from you know, parents have never been educated on what they need to know about their child, right? Mm-hmm. 
So on one hand, you have stigma and kind of false assumptions and beliefs that the child's cursed or, you know, it's not like the parents, you know, we sinned against God and God's punishing us. And so you can have those false beliefs, which you can overcome by teaching people about God's value and his design and a theology of suffering. Right. And on the other side, you know, families have never gotten a real diagnosis of what's actually wrong with their kid and in treatment options and uh, managing and behavior management and you know how we help this child develop from where they're at and so coming alongside parents and providing you know not just that foundational you know base to build off yeah. of but the practical of hey hey here's here's what the future looks like for your child mm-hmm. and here's some things that you can do to help them develop and, and mm-hmm. to grow and, and teaching them that like no matter no matter how far they get right no matter yeah. how far they go in school no matter what they're able to physically do yeah. with their hands and their feet like at the end of the day like yeah. this child has value yeah. because God gave them value mm. wow so have you seen like I mean, because this is when you're talking about children with you know special needs uh, it's like a lifetime commitment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so you've seen parents embrace that yeah. and go, no, I value my child or this child yeah. that I will take to be mine and I know it's a lifetime commitment. Right. Um, but you've actually seen them take on that, that mindset. Yeah, yeah, we have. Wow. You know, and, and for us as an organization, you know, we can, we can resettle a child back into a home, right? Like we can prepare the parent, you know, teach them about how to care for this child, right? But at the end of the day, there's still a gap between, you know, what that child needs to thrive, right? Mm-hmm. The, the therapy, the, mm-hmm. the medical assistance, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. And so as an organization, we come alongside families and provide that wraparound care, that support mm-hmm. that a child needs. Yeah. Now, okay. There's hope for some of them that they could actually live outside of the home one day, because you said there's varying degrees mm-hmm. yeah. of the a disability um, I, I don't know anything about like here in Africa like you know I know in the US sometimes there's like certain organizations that will take people in and give them jobs uh-huh. yeah. you know specifically because they see some of these uh, disabilities that they have exactly. is there anything like that there's there's few okay and the hard thing is that we still have this stigma against persons with disabilities right mm. and that's that's a, a big problem. You know, how do yeah. we change this for the whole country, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but somebody told me just the other day that there's a company in our town in Jinja that makes matches. Okay. And somebody told me, hey, those guys hire persons That's with disability. Awesome. And I thought, yeah. man, like, how cool is that? You know, and like, change, right? You know, like, those people get yeah. it. You know, those people obviously see that this person has value and, and, and needs a future, needs something to do, yeah. you know? And so, you know, and we work on vocational skills and daily living skills, yeah. you know, with our kids, you know, so that they can have something yeah. to do in the future. But at the end of the day, it is a lifelong commitment, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, it's the situation that we're in mm-hmm. and it's the reality that people face and yeah. we just have to yeah. adapt and be strong and, yeah. you know, find that support system, find that community yeah. to help us through that long run. Yeah, now you're sharing how like, you know, before how you used to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like, how does your role as a pastor, your faith in God, how does that play into all of this? Oh, it's it's so important, you know, because when we look at this problem of, of stigma, when we look at this problem of someone believing this child has no worth, right? 
you know, they'll, they'll never finish, you know, their schooling, right? They, they can't help around the house, you know, they can't help us, you know, dig in the garden, you know, and so you can look at it and say, what value does, does this child have to the family? And for us, there's only one answer to that, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's the value that God gave them, right? Yeah. The creator determines the value. Yeah. You know, I can, I can paint a painting yeah. and I can say, you know what, this painting's worth a million dollars and I'm not gonna sell it for anything less than a million dollars because yeah. it's that valuable to me. Yeah. And God is what, that's yeah. what he's done with us, right? Yeah. And, and that child, God has given the same value as you and me and the king and yeah. the president. Yeah. You know, the same as anyone else. And so for us, like, that's the only answer to that problem. Wow. So now that you've been working here and, and doing this specific ministry, um, you know, because I'm, I'm used to the institution. I'm uh -huh. used to, like, yeah, let's just get a bunch of kids here. Let's get a bunch of workers there. Right. And there's this shift, you know, that everyone's talking about now. Gosh, that's not the best. Uh, we want to get them into homes. Yeah. Like, that was... God's intention, there's yeah. something about a mother, father, this or that. Yeah. Like, I, I know you're working towards that, but are you seeing resistance? Like, what's that experience been? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the change is amazing, right? And like you said, like, family is God's design, right? Yes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and when, when you, that breaks down and you're left with these other options, right, of mm -hmm. institutionalized care and what, it's like, you know, these aren't, these aren't the plan B. It's not a little bit, you know, it's just, it's much worse, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're we're saying, okay, this is this is worse. We've mm -hmm. got to get children into families, right? So we're we're doing it. Like that yeah. shift is happening now, yeah. right? There's people trailblazing that, but what what I see is that a lot of people are not equipped to handle a child with disability, a yeah. child with special needs, right? You know, a, a, an institution, a, a children's home, an orphanage. You know, they would say like, well, we just we don't know how to care for this kid, right? Yeah. And, and they have to because yeah. it's a percentage of the population, yeah. you know? And, you know, then they'd say, well, well, this child's always going to live here because they have severe needs, right? Severe medical needs, severe developmental needs. And at the end of the day, like, even though, you know, I as an organization, right, with, with U.S. dollars can provide, you know, better medical care, better yeah. diet, yeah. better education yeah. to this kid, right? Like, I can do that, right? Yeah. I can't provide a family. Wow. You know? And so at the end of the day, no matter, even if I can, I can do it better, yeah. the child belongs in a family. Yeah. And if the child's going to be in a family, and that's what I care about, right? Yeah. Now I have to come alongside that family and provide those things that they're missing out on, you know? Yeah. So it's one thing to, to resettle the child, to reintegrate yeah. them into yeah. family, but as organizations, we have to shift and be like, okay, well, we, we got the kids out of the children's home. Yeah. You know, so now what are we going to do? What are, what's our work going to be? How are we going to, you know, use these donations? How are we going to use our staff, right? Yeah. Well, that's the answer. We have to come alongside these other vulnerable yeah. populations yeah. and say, hey, let's provide support services now rather than yeah. institutionalized yeah. care. Let's work on, yeah. you know, instead of having babies, you know, abandoned because the mother died at birth, let's focus on prenatal care. Yeah. you know for moms so that we we solve these problems you know mm -hmm. you know we we i i talk about this the band-aid and the cure right yeah, yeah, when we yeah, talk yeah. about development yeah, work yeah. we can come in and i can provide yeah. a bed and a home yeah. and a safe place for a child who's abandoned but how do i stop children from being abandoned in the first place how do i strengthen a family mm -hmm. so that a mother doesn't come to my gate and say i can't do this will you take my child and yeah. care for them yeah. no 
Let me come alongside you. Let me walk with you. Let me show you that it's possible. Let me help you with the therapy. Let me help you with the additional yeah. medical expenses yeah. you have. Yeah. People that are going to listen to this, if there was one message you'd want to communicate, hmm. what would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> I know it's a tough one. You got to do something now. Yeah, yeah. You got to do something now. Um, you know, we, we as, as the church, as the big church, right? We've come in trying to solve this crisis, right? Yeah. And we've created a problem, right? And so now we're, we're at this tipping point, right? And we know the way, we yeah. know the changes that we need to make, you know, yeah. to resettle children with families, right? And it's like, we've got to do something, right? Because it's, it's not plan B, right? We're, yeah. we're causing harm to children being in yeah. institutionalized care. Yeah. So let's let's start now and let's fix it because yeah. it's fixable, you know. Yeah. And let's put our dollars behind the right organizations, yeah. you know. Let's put our dollars to things that are not just going to be that band-aid yeah. solution, but are going to solve the long-term problem, yeah. you know. Organizations who who are providing that long-term mm -hmm. support and change so that families can stay together, mm -hmm. you know. We talk about reintegration, right? Yeah. And like that's the first piece of the puzzle. Yeah. You know, and, and the next piece is that strengthening families, yeah. empowering families, you know, that's what we have to do as organizations, as the church, yeah. you know, keep families together so that we don't get back into the same place, you know, yeah. so like do something, find, find an organization, whether it's, whether it's us, whether it's somebody else who is, yeah. who's committed to the long term family preservation, yeah. to children being in families, to changing the stigma that exists for children mm -hmm. with disabilities. Because if we don't do that, we're just spinning our wheels. Hey guys, this is Brandon, just one more time. You just heard Pastor Francis Chan talking with Jared Shetman from Akisa Ministries in Uganda. And we're gonna switch gears and uh, enter a little coffee shop as Pastor Francis gets the chance to talk with a couple of our other friends, Peter Mathui from Child and Family Focus in Kenya, and Mohamed Nabu, also known as Nabs, from Helping Children Worldwide in Sierra Leone. If you want to hear more of Nabs's story, you can check out episode 141 of the Think Orphan podcast. Just a quick reminder that this special episode of the Think Orphan podcast is being done in partnership with Journey Home, the online community learning platform where you can find an entire course where you get to follow Pastor Chan and his discovery of orphan care in sub-Saharan Africa. To get to that course, you just go to One Million Home. That's the number one millionhome.com front slash journey home. Now, Let's get into this conversation between Pastor Francis, Nabs, and Peter. I spent my entire childhood in care, in an orphanage. In Kenya, for instance, a lot of the orphanages are run by churches. They okay. are funded by the church. Okay. And so it may be in their heads, they're doing what they best, they yeah. know how yeah. best. Yeah. 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 And, and because scripture to them is clear, mm. true religion is helping the orphan. And so if they support an orphanage, yeah. then that is living totally. right, yeah, according yeah. to them. In my case, you hear the, the church did come in, but at, at the end of the day, it was not sustainable. And so they thought it's easier when you refer them to an orphanage. And so yeah. it is because to them, 
they, they know that they're already sending support to these orphanages, etc. Yeah. And so there's a lot of awareness creation that is needed. And that is why organizations are encouraged and the church to rethink the way they do things mm. by taking the help where really there is need as opposed to re- tackle the poverty. Don't I remove the child. When, as I say, when I finished college, when I got the job to become the director of the same orphanage that I grew up, I look at the way we have, I look at the way um, I was brought up in the orphanage. Yeah. All those goodies and all those things. But the real important element, which is the family, bringing, you know, having traced my family. And at some point, um, our parents, our relatives, we are, they came to know that we are living in the orphanage. And according to stories we are telling them, they used to come to visit us, but they were denied access to even see us because of fear that if the partners or the sponsors notice that the children are living in the orphanage, or they, are, they have relatives alive, they are not going to support them. Yeah. So when I look at that, that's, that's not correct. Yeah. That's not really the best way, right? It's not, it's not about us, it's about what is best for these kids. Yeah. So when I became the director, I look at what has been happening, and I saw these children in there, and they would do a survey. We did a survey, whole survey, to really see these children living in the orphanage, how many of them have living parents. Yeah. So we did that together with our partners in the US, helping children worldwide, we found out that 98% of the children all have living parents. How many? 98%. 98%. They all have living, living parents alive. They are just, of course, they are all living in different parts of the country. So we say, well, this is not right. 98%. They all, 98% they all have living parents. We are ready to support them. But they are just coming to the orphanage. And sometimes also we are dealing with poverty of the mind. Yeah. They're thinking this is the only yeah. way out for these children. Yeah, so let me yeah. do that. Because parents are thinking that. They're thinking, because I love my child, yeah. I'm going to send them to an orphanage yeah. rather than starve with me and just barely and get by and not be educated. So you're thinking out of love, I'm doing this. Yeah. This seems like a better solution for yeah. them because they'll get educated and they'll get fed. You know, go... And I think what you guys are saying is we're missing something really big. Like nothing can replace the love of a parent. People think sending children to orphanage it can be very it's a efficient. It's yeah. efficient method to you know be able to go children and pay for their schooling and everything, yeah. take your end poverty. No, that's not. In, we found out that that was the opposite, inefficient. When we do the math, the calculation, we have like 40 kids. It costs like two thousand dollars to take care of one child mm-hmm. living in the orphanage. And other way around, it costs like $71 to take care of a whole family, to intact a whole family. That was the statistic. Yeah, the, for a family to become intact, you can take care of a whole family. Your family can become, you know, over to be able to make sure that child gets better and the, the family gets better and to stay together. That means, say, just for 3%, you can get a family up, right, to that level. And it's 97% more expensive to take care of, you know, in a home, wow. in an orphanage. So that's very shocking. Yeah. The donors can help mend broken families. They can help move children into families. And they can help maintain children in families. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the potential is phenomenal. Yeah. 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 That's good. Gosh, I, I just, because I am a donor myself, and I think... You know, I, I've learned so much today. I, I can't even tell you. And I'm even embarrassed of some of my thinking, but we just, we didn't know any better mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so there is an excitement about, we're going to build an orphanage. Right? Yeah. You can see a brick and mortar building that your money bought. 
So we think that there's a better way for you know the world to care for children. If we want to have live a world that free of orphans, we have to start accepting that every, taking all children as our own and pushing those children back to their relatives and family. So that is the way to go, so that those children will not live experience the same thing we have gone through. We think it's a better way for them to go. God, as you can see, we are passionate about this because yeah. we have lived this life, yes. and that's what God asks us to be. Yeah. You know, because you have lived a life that maybe you have gone through struggles, you do not want that. You do not wish the same situation for other people. So. God never wastes pain. That's right. There's a reason He took us through it. Yes. For purposes of transforming. You know, the lives of many other children behind us. Yeah, and so there is a lot of work to do. And uh, we are committed yeah. Yeah, to changing the narrative so that children behind us don't have to go through what we went through. Well, that was a, that was a lot of fun. You know, we, d we don't get to do too many of these uh, special kind of on-location, uh, you know, pieces here on Think Orphan. So uh, that was a lot of fun to kind of hear Francis you know, really discovering and kind of learning, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're engaged with pastors um, that are supporting our ministries, or um, but to really kind of get them in the field, right? To actually see what this work looks like and engage with those people that are leading out the work, like the four uh, guys that he was able to talk yeah. with, it's pretty unique. So uh, I, I had a lot of fun listening to that, uh, uh, Phil. What kind of jumped out to you, man? What did you think of this uh, special episode? Ah, uh, man, if I told all the things, it would be uh, just as long as the those interviews themselves. But the, the things that really stuck out to me, and, I, and I'll just put them all out here right now, and then we can have a little conversation about them. But the one was just right out of the shoot, just hearing Francis sharing his story. Like, I've never heard that. I don't know how. Like, I've heard a lot of him speak a bunch. I've read his, but maybe he had that in his book. I don't remember it if it was there. Um, for whatever reason, it's never stuck out to me. Um, but just hearing that, I literally thought he was telling a story of someone else. Like I was waiting to hear who he was interviewing or who he was talking about. And then I realized, oh, he's talking about himself, which, you know, so many, and you, and you think of a lot of the different people who are the passionate evangelist, the passionate people who, and I say evangelist, like as a, someone who is like just sharing the gospel out of their life, out of who they are have backgrounds like that have a father wound where they've they haven't replaced it with unhealth but they've replaced it with the only perfect father right and they know that and it's just this just amazing crazy love as we'll talk a little bit more about but his book right and and his ministry that sometimes it takes that to fully experience that love and the depth of it Right? We talk about the height and the depth and the length and the width and all the different things. And there's just words to most of us. But when you're getting, when you're in those times, I mean, to hear him say, I didn't miss my father. Like, I wasn't bummed when he died. Like, that's just, it's harsh, but just real, just vulnerable, right? Like, which is super cool. So that was the first thing. The second was listening to Chris Page, who I just respect that dude a lot. I've got the, you know, pleasure of meeting him at a CAFO summit, maybe two, I can't remember exactly, but I really like that guy, um, just as a human and to hear what, you know, just him talking about it. And it reminds me going back to actually episode three, talking to Peter Greer about poverty and just hearing and a reminder is what we talk about on this show that it, it's all these things are interconnected. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic bullet to 
to take care of the orphan crisis. Same way, poverty is not, you know, it's not the one cause of orphaned and vulnerable. It's not the one reason why people send their kids to an orphanage, right? It's, it's one of the components. But as I, I loved how he said it. It was super poignant where he said, we drove through the community and we saw that there were kids in that same poverty, but they weren't coming to us. So we knew it wasn't just that, right? And that's that experiential expertise that comes our way, right? Like, that's what I love. That's why In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence, the, the two requirements for a co-author on that book were uh, experiential expertise and a posture of humility. And Jared and Chris and Nabs and Peter, they have that. Yeah. right? They have that experience. They, they've lived it in some way, right? Either working in the midst of it for years or living it, literally living it in the orphanage, right? So that's something where I, I, I'm super proud to know these guys, to have gotten to really, you know, do life with them, to know that it's not just a job. It's not just something they're saying. It's not just talking points. Like these are who they are. And that, that just, you know, it shines through when I, when I hear it. And I, and I just hope that that comes through to you folks out there as you're listening to this. I know most of you probably have never met these guys. You probably never will, but just know that they're the real deal. Like they're listening with they're saying. They're not trying to sell something. They're not trying to just get donations. That's the other thing Jared said, like, look, if they support us or someone else, like support getting kids into families and when we say that, I say that all the time too. I mean it. And he means it. It's not like, oh, we're just saying that with the hopes that you'll come to us. Like literally get involved. As he said, what was it? Act now or something like that. It was, you know, where that was yeah. the one thing that he wanted to share. Yeah, Jared did. Mm-hmm. Don't wait, do it. Like there will never be a perfect time. There will never be the quote right time. And just know there are, you know, it, whether it's right this second or in 10 years, there's going to be lots and lots of issues and God has put you on this earth to do things that he has created for you to do. And if you're not doing them, I tell my kids this all the time. If you're not doing those things, God didn't create someone else to do those things. They're uniquely created for you. And so it's not a guilt trip. It's a get to, right? Like you get to be a part of this. So anyway, like I said, I could go on and on and on. I'm not going to, but I, I, the one last thing I'll say is, you know, folks, again, let us know if uh, you think Francis should, you know, needs to do more interviews for us. Like, I mean, maybe he's going to take us out of jobs. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, but I really, I just really enjoyed his, he's, he's got an, uh, he's just got that empathetic voice. I don't know if like it's actually empathy yeah. or it's just practiced. I don't know. I can't, I can't get into the life of the dude, but I just really appreciate that. Like when he says, ah, it just has a difference than when I do it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I love it. So anyway. Yeah, no, it's so good. I, I I agree around the conversation around poverty. I I think we often gravitate towards simplistic understandings and simplistic solutions. Um, so it's actually easy, yeah. You know, especially when you are working in a place like Kenya or or some of these other places in the global south where poverty is so commonplace. It's easy to look at that and be like, well, surely this must be the reason, right? Mm-hmm. And yet. I mean, even here in the States, we have over 400,000 kids that are in foster care and we're not, you know, an impoverished nation by any stretch of the imagination. So there are real things. And does poverty exacerbate 
a lot of those issues? Of course it does. Of course it does. Do we need to look at how can we get community services available in under-resourced neighborhoods? Absolutely. That should be a core thing that we do as service providers and as nonprofit organizations. But to but but I just totally agree with Chris's assessment and say, look, the next door neighbor, their kid's still home. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's something that led to that kid going to the street, right? Yep. There's something that led to that kid being in long-term institutional care, right? So uh, poverty, it's it's too simplistic in and of itself. It should always be mentioned, right? But I know both uh, Chris as well as Jonathan, who who uh, came out of Agape, they always talk about poverty plus, right? That's right. It's poverty plus something else too. It's it's not it's not enough of a reason in and of itself because otherwise there would just be throngs and throngs of children that are living on the streets, right? right? Um, when in reality, you know, most kids that live in poverty also live at home. That's right. You know, and and how can we serve them there so that they can have opportunities to. To, to move up. So, and let me just uh, say one more thing yeah. about that too, before we get off the poverty thing. I mean, and we talk about this all the time on the show. It, it's not an either or it's a both and right. Like this is, it's not this, it's not poverty. It is. And it's other things as well. It's not just one thing. Right. And if it's just the one thing, then it'd be, it'd be solved by now. Right. Yeah. I mean, extreme poverty yeah they say is, is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking to where they say we could probably eradicate, and I forget exactly how they define extreme poverty. We can probably eradicate it, you know, in the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years, whatever. But these other issues are just human brokenness. Yeah. 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 And family break. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a number of different factors Mm -hmm. that can break down a family that's going to lead to that kid becoming separated. Abuse. So, yeah. Like, I mean, it can be abuse. It can just be uh, lack of identity, lack of an understanding of what manhood and womanhood is. Like, all these things that we talk about on the show, it's why we talk about them together because they are interconnected and it's not one thing. And so, anyway, I just wanted to kind of. Oh, it's so good. And, and, you know, I I could go on and on. I agree. Uh, Chris is just such a, uh, such a great guy and glad to hear Francis getting to interact with him. You know, and then in those latter two interviews with Jared and then with uh, Peter and Nabs, you know, those are the type of people that we should be listening to. Now, mm-hmm. um, when we talk about disability and we have talked about disability on this podcast, specifically with Jared uh, in the in the episode that I had mentioned during the piece, um, you know, those kids are regularly the ones that are most underserved. Right. I mean, you talk about poverty plus disability. That's, that's, that's a, that's a wicked combo, right? So, um, I just love the emphasis of him just highlighting, Hey, these are the kids that are, that are like the most vulnerable of vulnerable kind of, right? So, uh, love that vantage point. And then man, Peter and Nabs, I I just got to give my hats off to both of those guys. But man, when Peter opens up his mouth, that guy, (laughs) that guy has a message to share. And, and I've heard Peter share before, but, uh, just so grateful for him agreeing to be filmed and, and, uh, sharing with pastor Francis and sharing with so many other people and he, what they're doing in, in Kenya is just, is just really important work as well. But, um, just, uh, you know, those people with lived experience, we've said it before, right? Earlier this uh, season, we talked with Sinette Chan and Grace and Jerry, and we're just blown away by them sharing from their lived experience. And those have to be voices that we're highlighting, and that includes, you know, our friends Nabs and Peter. So uh, I, I just, I, I just love the fact that 
um, Pastor Francis, as well as all of our listeners and anybody else that checks out the podcast, are able to get that, uh, get those vantage points, right? This is what it means for a kid with disability. This is what it means for a kid that actually lived in an orphanage. Um, this is what it means for kids that are living on the street, you know? And, and I would just encourage our listeners, I mentioned this uh, during the piece, but um, there's actually a lot more content uh, that One Million Home has been able to develop with Pastor Francis and, and the Crazy Love team. Uh, Crazy Love Ministries is, is a partner of ours. We love those guys. Um, shout out to, to Kevin Kim and their whole team there. Um, but uh, if you guys go to the Journey Home online community learning platform, uh, that's just onemillionhome.com front slash Journey Home, uh, there's conversations between uh, Francis and all of those guys and in longer form than what you guys were able to squeeze in here on the podcast. Um, as well as others. Um, it's not just these four um, that are on that. There, there are other people there as well that are sharing their story, other care leavers and, and other people that are engaged in orphan care. So I would just encourage you guys, um, especially if um, you are a church leader. Um, if you're a church leader and you're listening to this and you've been trying to think, you know, we have this um, global piece around orphans and vulnerable children, but we want to know also how to do it better, we're talking to churches that are like that. And, and, you know, Pastor Francis really says, 20 years ago, I had some misperceptions, right? And now he's learning. Now they're doing more. Um, we got to work with the Crazy Love uh, team who invested in one of our partner organizations in Kenya, and we were able to help facilitate that. So there is, um, there is, a, there is a change taking place. Um, so I would just encourage people to check out that. Um, another resource, and we will link this in the show notes, we were able to work with the Crazy Love team um, to get an op-ed out uh, in the Christian Post. So if you guys want to read an article by Francis Chan where he's talking about specifically this, you can go check out the Christian Post. There is an op-ed called A Sense of Family Isn't Family, Rethinking Orphanages and Orphan Care. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an article that was written by Francis Chan and, and in collaboration with this material that we were able to produce with him and and uh, our gratitude to our friends at Faith to Action for also helping coordinate that. Um, but uh, there's other places to plug in, and I would just encourage our uh, our listeners to do that. And uh, speaking of plugging in and and thinking through uh, Francis Chan and 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 his really remarkable ministry, uh, I think you might have a recommendation or two for us, Phil. Yeah, I do. So the first thing is Crazy Love. You talk about Crazy Love Ministries. That comes from the book, Crazy Love. So that's the first thing. Um, If you don't know about it, you probably haven't been looking at Christian books over the last 20 years or so. So it's kind of like when I talk about when and helping hurts. If you haven't heard about it, you need to kind of go check out some books. So Crazy Love, phenomenal. Uh, he wrote it right around the same time as Radical with David Platt. And he didn't write it with David Platt. That's David Platt's book. Both of those are great books, similar messages, uh, just phenomenal. Uh, how we can get basically active in our faith because of the crazy, reckless love of our God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, right? Like, it's amazing. The second is the uh, Bayside Bible Conference. So Francis did a, the opening talk for that conference, and it was just super good. It was one of the best talks I've heard in a long time at a conference. So, and what made it so great was 
over half of it was him reciting Ephesians, the book, not just reciting, but preaching literally the book of Ephesians. And it was, it was amazing. So I'm not going to do any more spoiler alert on that one. Um, just go, you know, Google Bayside Bible Conference, Francis Chan, it'll pop up on YouTube and you can go check it out. Strongly recommend doing that. I think it was 40 minutes or so, and it will be very well spent. So those are, those are my recommendations. Those are good recommendations, man. I remember when I first read Crazy Love, I was in college at the time and I literally cried after the first chapter. I, I, in books, I I read a lot of books that does not normally happen. It is a powerful, it is a powerful book. He's, he's a gifted preacher and he's the real deal. Like, like he's Mm -hmm. authentic. He's his team, his family. He's an adoptive dad. Like he's, he's the real, he's the real deal. So yeah, great recommendations. Absolutely. All right, folks. As always, we, uh, we hope that you're taking, we gave you a lot to think about in that episode. We gave you a lot of different voices. We gave you a lot of different people. We gave you some different references some different things to go check out. So you got plenty of homework to do, folks. But uh, as always, we hope that you're taking what you're learning on this show and these references and these resources that we're giving you, and you're using all of it to help you to love orphaned and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.